This is Christian Book Blurb, brought to you by author and songwriter Matt McClary. Get a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the lives of some of your favourite Christian authors. Hear about their books and faith. Also, why not check out my website, mattmcclary.com. Well, hello and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Christian Book Blurb podcast. I'm your host, Matt McClary. Now, before we get started, if you are a regular listener to the podcast, you might hear that my voice is slightly different this week. That's because I'm struggling a little bit with a throat infection whilst doing this recording. So if I'm sounding a little bit different, well, please forgive me. Be be assured, it is still me, all right? I'm still me and I'm still behind the microphone here. I'm really pleased to be introducing another fantastic Christian author to you. We're going to be talking about the topic, Why Less Means More. And Kathy Madavan is my guest. So welcome, Kathy. Welcome to you too, to your own podcast. It is so Thank nice you. to be here, even if it's apparently great. you don't sound like you, but it's great <laughs> to be with you. <laughs> I don't often get welcome to my own podcast. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, Kathy. Well, we're glad you're here. It wouldn't happen otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got you on because you've written a book around this topic of why less means more. I guess... Well, we, we live in a culture in, in the West. I mean, I don't know where you're listening to this from, uh, this podcast at the moment. You could be anywhere in the world. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm living in the UK and you are as well. And we're constantly told, aren't we, to always do more, to be better, to, you know. And, and I know um, I had to fight this in my life as well, um, where busyness, the busier you are, the more successful or more important you are or seem or feel or whatever. It's like a badge of honor. I, I'm so busy. Um, why? Why do you think this is? I mean, that's a, that's a really good question, isn't it? But I, I think we can all resonate. I think, you know, I, I was observing it. The, the, it's almost like the answer to every question was more. Like we need, we need more success, we need more followers, we need more likes, we need more money, we need more um, holidays, we need more muscles, we need more whatever it is, whatever yeah. it is, we need more of it. And I think we, you know, it is true that in, in a consumerist Western like culture, that is a particular issue. And I'm sure that social media and, uh, you know, comparison hasn't helped that. But I don't think it's new. I don't think it's a new issue. You know, I was... Reading recently, again, that um, parable in Luke 12, where Jesus, you know, just talks about this guy who was accumulating stuff, more and more stuff. So he had to build a bigger barn and then he accumulated more stuff and he had a bigger barn. And eventually, you know, he passes away and God just challenges him and said, why did you spend your life storing up stuff for yourself instead of being rich towards God, you know, and I think so that that tendency that we have to comfort and soothe and, you know, kind of soothe our egos, make ourselves safe to try and push back our fears, whatever it is that we do, um, it, it often is often just trying to accumulate more in some way. And like you said, that could be more business, could be more money, whatever it is. I think really a lot of it is is out of fear, actually. Mm hmm. And you mentioned something just now, um, being rich towards God. Um, now I don't, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with a Christian, um, you know, working or 
or hoping to be successful or having that as, as an aim in life. Well, would you agree with that or, or not? I would totally agree with that. In fact, I think we are designed to work and to be fruitful and to be fulfilled. I think that is absolutely right. Like we, we, we're supposed to live lives of purpose, aren't we? And meaning. And uh, that's all really, really important. I think the trouble is that things can go off kilter, can't we? And particularly, you know, we saw with, you know, first of all, the technological revolution, and now we've got a digital revolution, where all this extra efficiency hasn't actually brought us extra contentment and happiness. It's just mm -hmm. meant that we're placing more pressure on ourselves all the time. And there was a piece of a um, massive bit of research done recently by one of the big um, management consultancies. And the people that they surveyed, about 77% of them cited that they'd had some kind of burnout at work. 25% of them didn't take their holidays. Most of them said it affected their personal relationships. Well, so now we're not just talking about being fruitful and being fulfilled and being productive. Now we're talking about the fact that we've all got limits which is something I talk a bit about in the book, but that we've got so used to breaching those limits and to living beyond those limits and almost being in denial of the fact that we've got these limits, that physical limits, emotional limits, spiritual limits. It's almost like we pretend that we haven't got them, like we're superheroes, but we're, we're not. We, we, none of us can just keep breaching those thresholds. Yeah. Um, one thing I really liked about your book, I and mean, we might circle back to it a bit later, is that it doesn't say, uh, chuck out all the stuff, you know, smash your TV and throw it in the in the nearest skip, and you know, don't don't have a you know quit your job and you know go and live in the hills somewhere. It doesn't say that. Um, it doesn't sort of push things to the extreme, but you do advocate for trying to find a balance and trying to prioritize. Um, yeah, just prioritize the, the, the important things in life and, and question what is actually important for you. You know, what? I think you've just hit the nail on the absolute head there with the word prioritize. So I would say it's not just a book about decluttering, although simplification, I think, is something that we need to think about. But I think it is really, for me, this has been about a process of recalibration, of really like trying to work out like what are the most important things in life and how do we prioritize those? How do we make space for those things and make sure that we're not just, you know, creating space for all the things that don't really matter and not making space for the things that do really matter. So yeah, there might be a little bit of reduction involved, um, you know, if, if, if we do need to make some changes and some of us actually for our health probably do but it is more about that process of recalibration so every chapter's got less of something more of something and I suppose it's just asking the question what do we need less of and what do we need more of it might not it might not always be that we need less of something we might need less isolation and more connection do you know what I mean yeah. it might so it might not actually be like about doing less stuff sometimes it might be about doing more of the right things so the right yeah, yeah, yeah. You, prioritizing is the right word so your new book then, um, Why Less Means More, Making Space for What Matters Most, um, addresses the busyness addiction we have. Why did you write it? Um, who did you write it for? Well, I suppose firstly, I probably wrote it for myself because mm. um, 
I am one of those people who I am not, I'm not Mrs. Zen. Do you know what I mean? I am, I'm a woman <laughs> who is, I am armed with to-do lists and I'm married to a man who is armed with spreadsheets. And, you know, we, we, I know how, how prone I am to defaulting back to filling every gap and putting another thing in a diary as if somehow I can duplicate my hours. And, and I think, you know, I really realized that this was not just an issue for me, but everybody I was speaking to was struggling to find space for the things that really mattered to them. And then Mark and I, after leaving our, our last church, we were leading a church and we, we left and we ended up with a bit of a hiatus, an unexpected gap before we moved on, um, where we were living in a friend's spare room for nearly a year and we had a lot of less. You know, a lot of our stuff was in storage, like our life was a bit upside down. And it really challenged me to think about, well, okay, so if I'm going to start putting stuff back in my life, you know, now we've got this reboot situation in our life. What what are the things that I, I just don't want to default back to and what are the things I want to do? And, it, you know, it turns out already from the feedback I've had, I think so many people feel that need to slightly refresh and reboot. Um, I think that's why people are actually looking more again at things like the spiritual disciplines and you know, Sabbath and just slowing down the whole slow food mm. movement, all of these things. I think there was a sense in which the pace that we're living at, I think many people feel is just not sustainable. So this was my attempt to really exploring that, um, not just for myself, but, you know, hopefully for all of those who are feeling like they're in the same boat. So you've already mentioned the, the, the uh, some ideas behind slowing down um, and trying to find spaces of rest um, in your life but what what else could we do what insights can you give us um, as to some antidote um, for all of this complexity that we find ourselves in what what other things ca- do you suggest well I, and I, that really is the issue is the complexity of life so um, one of the chapters actually says that the antidote to complexity is not just simplicity because I think that's where we go we think we've just got to like you said like you know, resign, move on to the allotment, fire our children, you know, somehow we can create a blank. And we can't, can we? We just, no. we just can't. So I think that the antidote to complexity is actually clarity. It's actually about isolating. Like, I have this many hours in my day. I have this much energy in my energy tank. So actually, like, I need some clarity around how I spend my time, my money, my energy, and how actually I create some, perhaps some rhythms in my life and some natural points of margin and natural points of rest and breathing, maybe, you know, not putting back-to-back Zoom calls, having, you know, just, you know, even though it's five to ten minute breaks between them, trying to really protect those days off, maybe writing a list of thankfulness rather than just whinging and sit putting on Netflix to anesthetize ourselves. Just some things that maybe we can just create some mental space, some physical space and some spiritual space, going back to those rhythms of just putting prayer back in. Even if it's, I sometimes just pray when I put the kettle on, you know, just stand still for a minute while the kettle is boiling look at the garden and pray rather than just, you know, tidying for a couple of minutes or scrolling for a couple of minutes, just trying to punctuate the day a little bit. So rather than the frenetic, frenzied, constant connection, that there is, you know, a kind of ability to be able to breathe a little bit 
um, in mm. the midst of, you know, what is often a complicated and challenging life, especially in some seasons. Some seasons just are really testing. Mm. Yes. They can be. Um, thank you for that. For me, something that I found um, with this whole idea of um, working and prioritizing um, and, and the things that I strive for or try to achieve in my life, that kind of thing, um, and something that God's been speaking to me about um, for several years now is, is trying to redefine my concept of what success is. What does success look like? Because the world tells us that success looks like this. More mm -hmm. money, big house, more cars, more, 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 more. Whereas in the Bible, it, it doesn't give us that picture. God doesn't say you're successful because, you know, you've got a big car or a big house. Um, there are other things that, that define success. So, so in your opinion, how does the Bible or how does God define success for us? That is such an important question, isn't it? Because I think I do feel like sometimes it feels like we've been inadvertently signed up to a competition that we never knew that we were in, you know. And you're so right. Like, so how much are you earning or how big is your car or you know how how many a how much are you doing i mean even in church circles it's you know it's yeah. like you know how many roaches are you on how, how much how much are you doing how many prayer meetings did you go to last month you know and it's it's all about you know um doing all stuff. these metrics that we've kind of you know kind of created for our lives and and some of those can be helpful I mean but they are not supposed to be the benchmarks they might be things that are out that we use to outwork things in our life so we might go to a prayer meeting or we might study hard or we might get a nice house but but those things shouldn't be the benchmarks for our life they should be the overflow really of, of the things that are going on in our life and you know the more I the more I think about it and I look at it you know I just keep coming back to those you know the 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 big commandment, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love others as yourself. Or those famous verses in Micah 6, 8 that says, you know, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Now, none of these things mean that you can't have a car or that <laughs> you can't do well in your exams, but like, by which criteria are you living a significant life? And that's the difference in the words for me. So I you know, that, that chapter for me is, is less success and more significance because I think mm. significance is about the impact you make on the world. So it's not just about how much money you leave in your will. It's about the legacy that you leave in your relationships. You know, what people will say about you when you have, you know, when you're dead and gone, like just the, the impact that you've made on you. So you're not serving in the youth group because it's a tick in the box to prove. You're serving in the youth group because you are passionate about making an impact on the next generation and you are so excited to see them thrive and to see them empowered and to see them have a peer group when the rest of the world is doing their head in so those things aren't the benchmarks but they the impact it's about significance really so yeah I think for me that's that 
is helpful to constantly be self-aware about the fact that we are being given those metrics all the time by advertisers who are paid a lot of money to get into your head to tell you that you're not good enough and that your life isn't good enough. And we have to kind of be really aware of that and set our benchmarks and metrics to the stuff that the Bible talks about. Mm. The, th the, the, the part of the Bible that I go to when I think about this question or dilemma or whatever it so happens to be in, in people's lives at the time um, is that whole thing about when, when we welcomed into the kingdom in eternity and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. He doesn't say, well done, my good and successful servant or well done, my good and rich servant or well done, my good and extremely busy servant. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And for me, that that's what I've I've held on to is 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 the whole idea of being faithful with what God's given me and what God's asking me to do. And you know what? That might that might it might fail. I might fail. Yes. But I'm being faithful with that, and that's the thing that God looks at. I believe rather than success or more or whatever. It's it's the faithfulness and the obedience. That's the key. I love that. That is just a brilliant way of answering the question far better than I did. That's really good. <laughs> in fact, I am. I, you wrote I the know, book. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You should write one. I remember writing, <laughs> reading a book or a phrase by Eugene Peterson, that great mm. theologian and writer who wrote the Message Bible. He talks about a long obedience in the same direction. Yeah. And that sense of faithful obedience, why is that not more valued? You know, like you said, it's, mm -hmm. it's not about how many platforms you stand on. It's not about how many people read your book. It's not about how amazing your podcast is, although it is. It's, it really <laughs> is about, what, like you said, whether you're faithful with what God's given you, the gifts that he's given you, the relationships he's given you, the resources he's given you. I love that. And, and uh, I think you're absolutely right. One of the chapters in your book um, that really resonated with me, and it's something that my wife's been talking about for ages now, and I was like, yeah, 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 this is exactly it, um, is a chapter called Less Extraordinary, More Ordinary. Now, this is so countercultural because everywhere, everyone has wanted to be extraordinary. You've got, you know, pushy parents wanting their child to be the the the, the the best one in the classroom. And, you know, you got you got TV shows where, you know, only one person is going to be the winner and everybody else's dreams are in the gutters and they're all crying their eyes out because their dreams have been destroyed because they didn't win the competition. And those are just some small examples of, of around us. But it's so impossible to be the one that scrambles their way to the top. Um, yeah, tell us about the, the concept behind less extraordinary, more ordinary. Uh, you're absolutely bang on. And I think it's so funny. It's like being good enough is not good enough anymore, is it? Like you just, you can't, you can't be good enough anymore. You can't be average. Although statistically speaking, that is kind of what we all probably are. So it's, but that's, you know, somehow you've got to break through the statistics. There's and be, nothing wrong with average. <laughs> exactly. It's, and it's performance pressure. And I, I talk yeah. about in the book how like even on, you know, with kids now with World Book Day or theme days, it's like, oh my word, World Book Day is a nightmare for parents, I, I can I tell know. you what, oh my word. But people are like mortgaging their houses to buy outfits. It's like, yeah. what is going on here? And then, and you know, in back in the day, because I'm so ancient, you know, you used to propose to someone by getting down on one knee and then that would be it. Now it's like, 
you have to you'd have to hang glide off a cliff with an orchestra at the bottom. Obviously, there's a film crew filming yeah. the whole so thing. So for social media, of course, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's every you know, and it's kind of like wow. And 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 I know that social media is a huge part of that because obviously no one knew when back in the day what we did, and you know, it wasn't you weren't sharing your child in their outfit for the whole world to show how marvelous I birthday cakes, kids' birthday cakes. Oh my gosh, the insecurity I felt as a mum looking at everyone else's birthday cakes when my kids had a chocolate caterpillar cake every year, and I mm. am not scared to say it. So it's yes, for me, I think it's kind of I've had to really assess what that was doing to my well-being this constant performance pressure and I am quite an ambitious person and I am quite a perfectionist actually and I think that's probably one of the issues for me is I I am someone who strives to do things really well um but then tied to all of that cultural performance pressure I realized that was quite damaging and for me the antidote to that was really beginning to cherish the ordinary to notice the little moments, you know, when a child puts their hand in your hand or draws a picture with you, or when you're, you know, walking down the street and someone's busking and it's just beautiful and stopping and listening to it for a moment, or, you know, you're in the garden and the roses just come out and it's, you know, it's beautiful, or, you know, you're tasting something, you're using your senses, it's all about your senses, isn't it? You're tasting something and it's it's just beautiful and it's a meringue that just collapses in your mouth you know and mm. and and just just savoring those moments and noticing the simple pleasures and realizing that not everything has to be extra 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 in fact it might be that if we could learn to cherish those ordinary things that we could perhaps be a lot more content mm, that's really good that's really good We'll be back talking more with the author, Kathy Madavan, about her book, Why Less Means More, just after these messages. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you can help keep it on the web. All you've got to do is buy me a coffee. Head over to buymeacoffee.com slash Matt McClary to make a donation. There is a link in this episode's show notes. So go on, buy me a coffee today and help this podcast to keep supporting Christian books and authors. Hello, welcome back. I am talking with author Kathy Madavan about her latest book, Why Less Means More, Making Space for What Matters Most. One of the things I really appreciate, Kathy, in your book uh, is that you freely admit that you yourself are not perfect, um, but you're also on this journey of discovering these things that you're speaking about for yourself. Can you can you tell me um, a little bit about sort of some of the background to that and also where you are currently on, on your journey of life, really? Well, as I as I said, you know, I know that I'm a bit of a busy bunny by nature and and I know that often my friends will say, oh, you're always so busy. So I know that I, I am that person. And I think being in church leadership, being a parent, um, just being involved in lots of ministry in, in different places, you know, I'm often really, really, you know, aware of the busyness in my life. So I've had to really think about that as we've gone back into church leadership, we've moved house um, just thinking about, okay, so how do I look after ourselves? Because here's the thing, no one else is going to prioritize your, prioritize your life for you. No one else is going to look after you. No one else is going to decide that you need to take your day off. 
No one else is going to make these calls for you. In fact, if you leave your priorities to everyone else and the emails keep you know mounting up, then you know life's just going to get get even more chaotic. So I think I'm I'm in a little bit of a process at the moment of trying to remove some of the small things. So I've I've really worked out that a lot of the small jobs that I get asked to do were stopping me to do stopping me doing the really big things I would like to do. Because my diary was ending, it was so cluttered with a you know an article here or a little bit of this there and some more admin there or what just trying to rather than doing lots of little jobs at inconvenient times is either to group them or to eliminate them so I can make space for maybe some of the bigger things. I keep saying I must get round to that but I never seem to have time for it. So I am actually letting a few things go that I, I'm i going to be some radio bits, some writing bits that I'm going to be really sad to say goodbye to, um, but actually will create some space. I'm also really being protective about some of our days off. And I'm also really being intentional about putting things that fill the tank. So the tank is always draining, the tap is always on, we're always giving out, we're always doing... So it's like, how do I replenish my spiritual, emotional tanks of things like live music or going to a show or going for a walk in the countryside? And we're just trying to work a bit harder at doing some of the things that replenish. So, and everyone's different, aren't they? What replenishes you will be different to me. So I think that's some of the things I'm trying to put into place as we move back into gear five and six. Yeah, really good. Thank you. And um, as just as Kathy was mentioning about um, what she does to replenish herself and to sort of fill her tank back up again, why don't you pop, pop over to our Facebook group, the Fans of Christian Book Blurb podcast. Let's get a discussion going on there about what fills up your tank, what replenishes your life, and we can share some really good ideas on there um, to help everyone in the community out. So why don't you pop over to our Facebook group, Fans of Christian Book Blurb, and get involved Kathy, um, one of the things we like to do on our show is to not only discuss discipleship themes and, you know, things that the book focuses on, but also to find out more about the author themselves. You've given us a few little bits about your life, about, you know, being in ministry um, and doing a few other bits and pieces. Um, I just want to dig down in, into your life for a bit, if that's okay. Um, what is this do you the do therapy for... bit? Is this, is this, yeah, is this the well... counselling? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do for fun? Do you have time for fun? I definitely do. I am, I'm a really big fan of live music. So anytime I can be out listening to a jazz band or an orchestra or a, a musical show or, um, like I said, even a busker on the street, you know, anytime I can be listening mm. To live music that for me is like I just can't take the smile off my face I just love it it really really does and being out in nature I think for me just going mm. for walks being we've just moved to the Bristol area just discovering some of the lovely walks around here and some of the National Trust properties and things like that that's that's mm. for me and obviously reading books I have to say mm. that but it's the truth yeah. nothing better than reading a good <laughs> book um just talking about live music, I just recently took um, my two eldest children, my two girls, to um, Big Church Festival. Oh. Have you been to Big Church Festival? It used to be called Big Church Day Out. Um, have you ever been before? Almost every year. Absolutely love it. And do you do the camping thing or do you sort of stay in an actual physical building and then sort of come in for the days? 
Well, actually, we uh, my husband is registered blind, so he can't really see enough to camp. So camping is not the world's most accessible form of accommodation if you mm. need to toilet in the middle of the night or whatever oh. it is. So yeah. we tend to stay in a little kind of, you know, travel lodge or something in near distance and then go in each day. But yeah, we, we absolutely love that. And we love all the other festivals. I'm really involved with Spring Harvest yeah. Festival. I'm on the leadership mm. team there. I'm at New Wine this year as well. So I think that our festivals and, you know, live music like that are, are, are fantastic, whether it's the worship spaces or whether it's just contemporary Christian music, you know, it's all giving glory to God using those incredible musical skills. And it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? It's, re it's really great fun. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I love it. I love just that sense because I go to quite a small church and just, just joining with other Christians on, on a bigger scale um, helps you know that you're not such so alone in the world as well sometimes. Yes, anyway, definitely. And such me. diversity. Such diversity <laughs> there in the is. church. It's fantastic. It's it's, really and you just good. don't always realize, do you? There's so many different ages and stages and styles yeah. and it's actually quite, it really so, lifts your eyes. Who's, who's your favorite band or what's your favorite song at the moment then? Oh, favorite song at the moment. Well, well, that's I really love the singer Lauren Daigle. She's mm. brilliant. Um, I think some of the stuff that's coming out of Maverick City, some of that kind of slightly more, you know, diff not just kind of standard middle age white rock. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. kind of, it's just a little bit bit more diverse, bit more interesting. Kingdom Choir stuff is great. So I, I have to say, I'm, I, I listen to a lot of different styles of music. Mm. So I, I'm quite keen on, on quite a lot. But um, yeah, I, I mean, Spotify or whatever version of that you use is great, isn't it? Because it keeps giving you different suggestions. and Yeah, you know, it's wonderful. That's oh, great. Have you got anything you're working on or coming up soon? I know you talked about sort of eliminating some stuff to make space to do the bigger stuff. So can you give us a little sneaky peek into some of the bigger <laughs> stuff that you might have up your sleeve in the coming months, perhaps? Well, actually, so right now I'm working really hard on the Spring Harvest theme for next year. So every year Spring Harvest has a theme. And for the first time, my husband and I are writing the theme material. So the whole of the, the week's theme will be based on a book that we're writing. And it's on the book of Ephesians. It's called Up and Alive. So I've got to have 40,000 words handed in fairly soon now, which is a bit scary. But we're, we're really excited about it. It's such a fantastic New Testament book um, filled with great stuff. So there's loads in there. And then the other things at the moment, I'm really involved in an amazing charity called the Kyria Network, which is about women in leadership, um, supports women in whatever sphere of leadership they're involved. And um, we run conferences and events across the UK just to really encourage women in their calling as not just leaders, but people who are making a difference, you know, people who are just really invested in different areas, whether it's the arts, church, business, whatever it is. So we've got um, conferences coming up that we're working quite hard on. So is that, and I'm doing some more tours for Care for the Family, fantastic charity. I'm one of their speakers. Um, so we've got a big mum's tour in the autumn in Northern Ireland and some different tours being planned for next year already. So lots of great stuff. Thanks for that. That's, that sounds really exciting. And my family really loves Spring Harvest as well. It's so good that you're writing the theme book as well. That's that's really good. That's really cool. Oh, thank you. Um, that's encouraging. 
Where can we find you on social media, websites, all that kind of stuff? How can people connect with you or find your books or all of that? Well, the great thing is there is only one Kathy Madavan on the entire planet. It is not a common name. So um, genuinely, if you put Kathy Madavan into Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, you're just going to find me. So it's that easy. My, my website's kathymadavan.com. And just so you know, this latest book, Why Lesbies More and, and Irrepressible, before it actually were written full, it's full of kingdom of God values, but it's been written in such a way that it's hopefully not like in your face Christian. So you can give it to your family members or your work yeah, colleagues. It is or- really accessible. It, it's full of Christian principles, as you say. Yes. But you can, I, I've read it. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking about it, you can really happily give it to someone who isn't a Christian and they will appreciate it. And, and that was our plan, really, so that you can get it in Waterstones or you can get it on Amazon. You can get it in places. And, and I don't know about you, but because we know that you're passionate about books. I'm passionate about books. I think words change people's lives. And, yeah. and I was just so, so prayerful and mindful that some of the stuff that we know as Christians, as kingdom of God stuff, if you can put it into people's hands and minds, even if they don't even, you know, that believe in God, you know, it could be a blessing to them, it could help them. And so I, you know, I really hope that this will get into spaces that a book that was more obviously religious um, wouldn't. But I think if you are a Christian reading it, there's loads in there that you'll recognise and, and it will hopefully speak to you too. Yeah, that's really great. Thanks, Cathy. Um, thank you for listening to this podcast. Kathy is going to read us um, something that Mother Teresa had up on her wall as we come to the close of this podcast. But thank you so much to you, the listener, for listening. All of Kathy's information, um, we'll be having a link to her website in the show notes of this podcast as well, so you can connect with her, find out more about her books and all of that. And yeah, so do join us again. We have this podcast coming out with a new author talking about some amazing um, topics to encourage you in your faith um, and relationship with Jesus every two weeks or so. So twice a month, this podcast comes out. So we'll be back again really soon with another episode. So don't wait too long before checking us out again. But here is Kathy. In her book, she says these words remind us that our goals should be as much about who we are as what we do. So over to you, Kathy. Yeah, this is such a famous poem uh, on the wall of Mother Teresa's home in Calcutta. And it's worth hearing again, I think. People are often unreasonable, irrational and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it will never be enough. But give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Thank you, Cathy. 
That's fantastic. Thank you for joining us. It's been a real honor and privilege. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. Thank you for listening. See you soon. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Christian Book Blurb with your host, Matt McClary. Do give it a like, give it a share and let your friends know all about it. We do hope to see you again soon on another Christian Book Blurb.